coming up on facts from the stacks. Wait, remind me. So that was the winnings from the Goblet of Fire? What? The money that he gave to them? I don't remember. Do you get money from that? No, I don't think anybody. I think the only thing you got was death in this case. Even if there was a prize, you probably didn't get it. Welcome to Facts from the Stacks, a news and trivia podcast for book nerds and library lovers. Facts from the Stacks, created by the staff at the Jackson Madison County Library, is your library news and book based trivia podcast. Join your hosts, Kelly and Shane, for what we're reading, what's happening in the library, and tons of trivia. We will have games and quizzes so you can follow along and test your knowledge, but also so we can stump other library staff. Welcome back, all you coin collectors and money moguls. Hello, hello. We're at... We're at... (laughs) That doesn't make sense. We're back with another episode of Facts from the Stacks. Yes, all based around Dewey number 737. 737. Which is numismatics and sigillography. Woo! Say that several times fast because it's... Interesting words. I don't know if I can even repeat those words from memory, but we're about to learn what they mean. Yes, we sure are. So it's coins and money and seals, yes. not the animal. Right. <laughs> like symbols in metal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or wax. Yeah. So let's get started with our recently borrowed. Woohoo. Finally. Yes. Now that we're big read in full swing, all that, I finished Cersei, and I know you finished Cersei. I did. And what a story. Yeah. What like, a from start to finish, like, such a beautiful, like, tragic, I just, ugh. Yeah. I loved her. Yeah, she was a great gal. It was such a beautifully written story. I keep saying that every time, but it's like so true, especially now that I know like how it ends. It's just very poetic. Mm -hmm. So I enjoyed that a lot. Me too. Um, So now I will proceed to obsess over this for the next two months while Mm -hmm. we do big read and then maybe read another book later. Maybe read another book later. (laughs) (laughs) Have you done anything other than reading Cersei? Yes. So I've started my fall reading list mm. and I just finished Wicked, The Life and Times of the Wicked Witch of the West. That's right. Of course. Yes. By Gregory Maguire, which that was a ride, a wild ride, a Mr. Toad's wild ride. Wow. Which again, funny because I feel like you could put Wicked as sort of a read alike for Cersei. Really? There was a lot of similarities. I mean, that's true because it is the retelling. She's a witch. Yeah. And like, it's her perspective. Yeah. Cersei and Alphaba kind of have similar journeys. Like, there's similar types of stories, like long, epic odysseys about a strong female protagonist who's characterized as the enemy. Like, they have a lot in common. Yeah. And like, I know Alphaba wasn't like, exiled per se but she leaves of her own accord yeah Yeah, she's like i don't need none of y'all yeah it was really interesting a couple things i didn't expect first of all it's very not like explicit like there's not like a lot of scenes or anything but they just like talk about the human body 
you know, without very bar. openly. Yes, exactly. Interesting. So that was surprising. And then secondly, the play is very different. Like I feel like, which people might already know this. I just didn't know that whoever wrote the play kind of read that book and they were like, oh, this might be kind of a cool musical, but they really went their own direction with it. That's interesting. As far as like the events that happen, I feel like they changed a lot for the play. Huh. And in a good way, in my opinion. Very interesting. Yeah. So it wasn't my favorite book ever. It was definitely a lot, but I'm glad I, you know, have. The glad you had the experience. Yeah. Especially because I do really enjoy the musical. So it was wow. cool to get the background. Now I'm going to have to go listen to Wicked. I know. The whole time I was, I was listening to the audiobook, the soundtrack was stuck in my head, which makes no sense. Because again, they're like really not Disconnected. related at all. Yeah. But I, my brain was like, mm, let's sing Wicked songs. Wow. <laughs> that sounds so fun. Yeah. Good times. Did you know? Did you know? Did you know? All right, you big know-it-all. Did you know? So I have, um, I've got a couple things to talk about as far as money and symbols and seals, sigils and all that. Um, so the first thing I decided to look into was signet rings. Ooh, yes. So do you know about a signet ring? Um, I know what it is. Okay. It's like those rings that are flat on the top. And mm -hmm. so sometimes they have engravings right there. Yes. And I feel like fancy boys wear them. That is generally correct. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe on the pinky. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's probably because of Prince. Char well, not Prince. King Charles, oh, King I guess. Um, yeah, he always wore his on his pinky. Wasn't it from Camilla or am I making that up? Um, so we'll get into that. Oh, the tea. Yeah, keep listening to find hot. out more. <laughs> I'm like, the crown is tingling in the back of my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a signet ring was a ring that was made of silver or gold that was used, like it had a practical purpose. Okay. It was to authenticate and seal legal documents. Oh. So like if you were sending a letter, then you would put your little seal there and you would press the ring into it. So it just saved time. Like instead of picking up your wax seal, it's like bingo bongo. It's on my hand. I'm busy. Yeah, correct. Wow. Yeah. So that you always, and also that way no one can steal it from you oh, for authenticity. because it's on your person at all times. Wow. Yeah. So Royal signet rings were usually destroyed when that Royal died to avoid any forgeries. That's fascinating. And they started using them around the 14th century. So that's when we're looking at, um, to seal a document, they would pour this mixture of beeswax and resin, and it was always colored either red or green. Um, and then they would press their signet into it, wax would harden, and then you pop the ring out of there. Good to go. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's, it's such a dramatic, like, theatrical thing, oh, I yeah. feel like. I feel like there's a lot of movies where they, like, have a dramatic wax seal scene. Yeah, I really and it's feel. it's, like, slow motion and everything. <laughs> like. I'm, I'm, in my head, I'm seeing Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. I don't know if there was no, one yeah, of those. No, yeah, I think so. But Lord Beckett, yes. I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lord Beckett. Yeah. I, and is there a Phantom of the Opera wax seal moment? I feel like there is. That's as well. That feels correct. Yeah. Yeah, I okay. think it is. I think it's when he's writing his letter that's like his list of demands mm. I feel like that might be it yeah yeah but anyway so it's a really cool thing I I love the concept of oh, yeah but the British royal family has several 
Um, so the Prince of Wales crest Mm -hmm. is over 170 years old and it is like a crown with feathers and the German words Lichtien, which is, uh, German for I serve. And that is the one that King Charles wears or wore since it was for the Prince, I don't. Oh, maybe he passed it. Down. Maybe he passed it down, um, but he wore that um, on his pinky. Um, so that's a very old crest that they have. I don't know that the ring itself is that old. Probably not. Um, but they've been using that seal for a long time. Um, and then what I found is that people who marry into the royal family often get their own signet rings. Oh, so like. Princess Diana had one gifted to her from Charles the night before their wedding. Um, and it's hard to find what they look like. Like, oh, they're kind of like hard to find. Kind of, sort of. But hers, from what I could tell, it looked like a hand holding an arrow and then some olive branches. Hmm. And there were, like, little stars all around it. Hmm. Um Kate Middleston was her family was given a like oh, her whole family. Her whole family. Cool. So because it's supposed to be related to your family mm. somehow. Okay. So like her family was given the seal. Um, the queen gave her family an official coat of arms. Oh. So usually they'll take the coat of arms and that's what goes on the signet ring. Okay. So they um Theirs is just, it looks like um, three, so it's three acorns, Mm. like, surrounding a gold chevron. Mm. And I guess that's because um, Kate is one of three children. Oh, yeah. And so the acorns are she and her siblings. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... She, they all started wearing the signet rings. Like her mother and father wear them too. Um, and then Meghan Markle before the the, the schism, Did if she you get would. Rid of her ring? <laughs> I don't know, but hers honestly is probably the coolest looking. Um, it's like a heart with an eye in the middle, Ooh. and then it's got like this crown of triangles Ooh. above it. It's really cool looking. It's very. Um, it feels very. I don't want to say like hot topicy, but it's maybe a little hot topicy. Nice. <laughs> um, it just looks a little edgy because she's an edgy girl. She's an edgy girl. They had no idea. Yeah, yeah. They but predicted it. anyway, so there's just a few of the British royal family seals that um, they have. They a lot of them wear the signet rings, and like I said, I assume that Charles passed his down to. Yeah. I guess it would have been to William, right? Yeah, yeah. and he's the Prince of Wales now. Yeah. Or- should should yeah should yeah because he was the duke of wales so now he should be the prince of wales Mm -hmm. because charles was that so technically he should have passed that ring to yeah william Mm -hmm. and then he should have given camilla one when he married her Uh, i believe camilla also did get one yeah yeah so pretty much yeah pretty much anybody that marries into the royal family if you don't have like an official coat of arms you will get one and a signet ring to go with it i should have made my husband give me a coat of arms before he took my hand ladies start I'm asking a princess, for a, and start, I deserve it. <laughs> start asking for a coat of arms serious that would be so fun how festive you know it is kind of a cute concept to mm-hmm. like have like a married couple like make 
like a coat of arms for their family yeah, going cool. forward. Like that's kind of a cute idea. Yeah. Like yeah. how your monogram is like both of you together. Mm-hmm. That is cool. Hmm. We'll be right back with more facts from the stacks. If you enjoy classic tales with new twists, retellings of old mythology, and learning about new cultures, join us for The Big Read. The Big Read, funded in part by the National Endowment for the Arts, is a two-month-long celebration of the book Circe by Madeline Miller. Circe is a retelling of the life of the Greek sorceress by the same name, giving her new life and showing her perspective. Circe, forced into exile to an island by herself, hones her various crafts, explores her need for human connection, and defines herself in a world of gods and men. Attend library events between September 15th and November 11th to get your free copy of Circe and read alongside the rest of Madison County. We will be involved in events all over Jackson, including the Jackson Symphony's Greek Fantasia concert. Check out our website, jmclibrary.org, for a full list of events. Okay, so I went very basic because I didn't really understand what the word numismatics was. I don't think I had heard that word before we looked up what it was last episode. Yeah, so when we drew this number, I was like, well, let me just go real basic and understand even what topic this is. Yeah. So numismatics is the study or collection of coins, paper currency, and medals, usually associated with the appraisal or collection of rare coins. So that's cool. Yeah. I mean, so many people, like even my dad, who is not like hardcore into coin collecting, like he still likes to, he'll see a coin and he'll be like, I'm going to grab that. Yeah. Like it's like, just Like I've heard of thing. coin collecting, but I'd never heard that word before. Yeah. I hadn't either. Yeah. Um, so in the United States to become an official pneumatist, numismatist. Numismatist. Whoa. Numismatist. Numismatist. <laughs> um, there's a specialized course and you have to pass a 200 question exam. Excuse me? Yeah. Is that for like if you want to be the one that grades coins and stuff? Maybe or maybe to be in. There's a lot of different like numismatic societies. So maybe it's for that. Whoa. It just, it just said the resource I was looking at becoming a numismatist requires X in the United States. Whoa. So I'm not exactly sure. Um, so the history, coin collecting likely began when currency was invented. Makes sense. Uh Um, and before the 19th century, it was kind of an individual hobby, uh, mostly by rulers and other elite people. So it was known as like the kings and queens hobby, which makes sense because only rich people can collect money for fun. Yeah. Only rich people can (laughs) keep money somewhere that's not going to be circulated. Exactly. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yes. And so then the Renaissance era, there was a coin collecting surgeons. It became very popular. And then, which kind of goes along with the other themes of the Renaissance, I guess, like art and all of that. So coin collecting became a bigger thing then. And then the 1800s is when the professional organizations and societies began to form. So then it became more of a group hobby. And then another milestone was the internet. The advent of the internet also increased the traction of coin collecting. Totally. Because then it's so much easier to like have an active... How much is this coin worth? What does the coin look like? Mm-hmm. The internet helps with so much of that. Yeah. I would hate to have this as a hobby and only have like just strictly books that are, 
you know, yeah, they that are dated. So dated. Quickly. They go out of, you know, and it's like, what if a coin is worth three thousand dollars, you know, but that book was outdated and you sell it for three thousand dollars, but right. it's actually worth ten thousand dollars. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's wild. Um, some fun facts about numismatics. Mm-hmm. So Florence, Italy was the first world city to mint their own gold coins, and that was in 1252. Oh. Um, yeah. That's pretty, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So before that, currency was kind of not, all over the place. Not standardized. Right. And I assume we just dealt more in bartering as well. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Um, another interesting fact is that the Secret Service was started in 1865, and its original foco- focus was on counterfeit money and preventing the spread of counterfeit money. Because I guess when, uh, especially when paper money first came out, it was a lot of it easy was easy cons- to duplicate. Yeah, and a lot of it was thought to be fake. So that was oh. the original purpose of the Secret Service, and it didn't change to protecting the president until 1902 after the McKinley assassination. Whoa. I know. I thought that was super interesting. I never would have guessed that. Like, imagine one day, you know, like we talk about dramatic shifts in, in a career, mm-hmm. but imagine one day you're like just trying to f- bust like a counterfeit coin. Yeah. Scheme, mm-hmm. and then the next day they're like, "No, you're on president protection duty." Yeah, the next day you're taking a bullet for the president. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's uh-huh. a big jump. Yeah, that's that's a big jump. <laughs> um, the Smithsonian has the biggest coin collection in the United States with over 1.6 million objects. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Is they hold the title for the largest coin collection, but just in the United in the U.S. And the first national convention for coin collecting was in 1962 in Detroit, Michigan, and there were over 4,000 attendees. And another thing I found that I thought was interesting is that you can buy coins from the U.S. Mint online. Yeah. So I I went to their website. It was super interesting. Like, I think it's like usmint.gov. Well, first of all, I got to a website that was by the government, but like geared towards children. So it teaches you all about how the mint works and coin history and all that stuff. So that was cool. And then, yeah, you can like online shop for different rare coins and they release, you know, special versions of all of the commemorative coins. That's neat. Because I I don't know, that just seemed funny to me that you can online shop with the U.S. government. I guess that's (laughs) like probably the only way you can guarantee that like a coin you have purchased is uncirculated. True. You know, so if you're that collector, yeah, then you can be sure no one's touched this coin before. True. That's interesting. So yeah, that was what I found as a basic background of numismatics. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. The water is watering today. <laughs> is that what that is? Yeah, it's the basilisk. <laughs> Funny you say that because we do have some Harry Potter stuff going on in here I right now. Um, so I also looked up some info about fictional currency because again, mm-hmm. I'm a huge nerd. Um, this is the Stack Celebrity Podcast. Hello, we got to talk about currency. Yeah, absolutely. So I just kind of gathered a few um, from different places and I just wanted to talk a little bit about some of those fictional currencies. I'm excited. So I'm going to first tie in last episode to this episode. Look at you. Um, and we're going to talk about. D&D currency. 
Ooh, I didn't so, know existed. Yeah. So just like in anything, you have to have like, you know, in your storytelling, your characters have to have money to buy things with. Okay. Um, so in Dungeons and Dragons, it is bronze, silver, and gold are the like that's a pretty standard fantasy, like that's what you deal with is bronze, okay. silver, and gold. Um, so it's ten of each will make the next one. So ten bronze make a silver, ten silver make a gold. They also have platinum, which is ten gold make a platinum. Um, and then they have a weird one that I I've been playing DD for 20 years now. Ish. Um I have never once seen this currency. Hmm. Never once has anyone I've played with said, what about Electrum? Oh. Never. Look out. So don't use Electrum. Um, <laughs> it's a weird one because it is like considered, it is half a gold. Oh. So it'd be like, it's kind of, it to me, it would be the equivalent of, here's your half dollar. Why wouldn't you just use five silver? Correct. <laughs> There's no reason you would just use the five Somebody silver. Somebody was trying to get all fancy. Just use the five silver. Um, so that's our tie-in from last episode. Nice. Um, I also looked into video games to also tie in a little Ooh. bit. Um, are you familiar with the franchise Fallout? Fallout Boy. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I am. Um, Fallout is a game series that is post-apocalyptic. Mm. It is like, it is an alternative history where... Essentially, somewhere in the 50s, nuclear fallout happened. And so it's very 50s themed. But their form of currency is called caps. Mm. And that is literally bottle caps. Oh. Um, There was a popular soda called um, (laughs) Nuka-Cola that people trade in those bottle caps because money stopped when you're dealing with nuclear, you know, the entire U.S. is a nuclear wasteland. Uh-huh. Money doesn't really mean anything. Okay. So they just started using bottle caps. Nice. Um, you have the Legend of Zelda. Surely you're a yes. little familiar. Yes. Um, so the currency in Zelda is rupees. Yes. Which is also an actual currency. I was going to say, isn't that real? It is. Um, it is the common name for the currencies of India, Nepal, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, and a few others. Okay. Um, but in The Legend of Zelda, they're like these tall, skinny gems. Yes. Uh-huh. And they are, uh, they come in several colors. Mm-hmm. Um, green is worth one, blue is worth five, red are 20, purple are 50, and silver are 100. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um... And then we get into, like, movies, books, and stuff like that. Okay, first in video games. Yes. That just reminded me of something um, that I feel like people that actually play video games can relate to, Mm -hmm. which is, so my husband and I play Stardew Valley a lot. Yes. And I feel like he always talks about, like, how much gold we have, because, like, that's what the currency is in Stardew Valley, gold. And I always say dollars, or, like, I speak in terms of regular money. Oh, do you? And I feel like he always comes behind me and says gold. Gold. He's like, it's gold, Kelly. (laughs) Yes, and I bet that's a common thing. Like, okay, use the proper term. Depending yeah. on the game that you're playing. If I was, <laughs> that's fair. I don't mind with video games so much, but if I was playing D&D and one of my players was like, 
I'll give the shopkeep five dollars. I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah, you're getting out of character. No, How getting dare. character. You're giving him five gold. 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 Yeah. I just that just popped in my head is he totally is like, oh, we have one million gold. And I'm like, how many dollars does this cost? One million dollars. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. Um then I looked at some general like some popular books and media. Uh-huh. Um, but credits. Mm. is, like, particularly popular in all of science fiction. Yes. Like, just calling it credits. Um, Usually it's an electronic currency and not physical, with the exception of, in Star Wars, all of their stuff is called credits. Okay. Um, But they have changed over the different eras because we've had many different... If you don't know, Star mm-hmm. Wars is so political mm-hmm. and there's so many different um, like ruling um, governments. S- governments. Yeah. yeah. So then the change, the currency changes. Right. But they're all credits. But you have the galactic credit standard, Republic mm-hmm. credits, new Republic credits, Ooh. Confederacy credits and Imperial credits. And weirdly even though they're called credits they are still physical things in star wars Hmm. but they're like little it depends on which one you're talking about but like imperial credits are these like they're about like an inch by two inch little rectangular metal bars Hmm. and it's weird that they call them credits even though they are a physical thing when every other science fiction thing isn't that the definition of the word credit? Like it implies something not like something not tangible. tangible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hmm. So just a little weird yeah. and interesting. We'll be right back with more facts from the stacks. Do you love doing art projects, but never really have the space to do them? Do you want to try something new, but you're a little afraid to buy everything only to find out you don't really like it? The library's makerspace has tons of supplies for you to tackle your arts and crafts projects. Every Monday at 11, you can try your hand at watercolor painting, paper craft, knitting, sculpting, and so much more. Plus, you'll listen to a podcast in the meantime. Busy hands, fun listening. Come create with us. And then finally, we'll talk about Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you have to talk about one of the hardest to understand (laughs) money systems. Yeah, it's an elaborate currency scheme. Do you know... Do you know the denominations of, of I currency? Think so. so galleons, mm-hmm. sickles, mm-hmm. something in canuts. Yeah. So it's just it's just galleon, sickle, and nut. Oh. I yeah. So I, I think that's it. A, you knew it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any idea what the exchange like the the levels no, of those? No, it's not like not very. It's weird. Precise, or not precise, but like. It's not like by tens or whatever. No, it yeah. sure is not. So there are 29 nuts in a sickle mm. and 17 sickles in a galleon. Love it. Why? <laughs> Why? She said, because I can. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did some research on, I did some looking up on how much money Harry inherited. Ooh, yeah, interesting. <laughs> because it's never stated in the books how much he gets. Mm-hmm. All we know is that he has a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. Um, so people use the movie as a reference okay. point. 
Got it. Um, so like by looking at the vault. Yeah. Okay. So you look at the vault and there's like one particular big stack of galleons mm-hmm. and by seeing like approximating how many coins would fit in that space mm-hmm. the estimate according to a popular reddit post <laughs> is at least at least 50,000 galleons wow. which is a lot it's a ton um so and then there's like this this whole like well how much do these equal in terms of our money right so there's another because again, it's Reddit. Reddit <laughs> does fan theories mm-hmm. all all day long. So according to a fan theory, this this person took the things that are purchased in Harry Potter and compared them with prices of things oh. from the time to like kind of get an idea. Yeah, smart. And so what they ended up coming with up with is that a galleon is equal to about twenty five dollars. Okay. A sickle is about a dollar fifty, and a nut is a nickel. Okay. Now, all of that being said, J.K. Rowling, whom I cannot trust in this particular instance, <laughs> said that a galleon is about seven dollars. Hmm. But like, the math doesn't math on that. Yeah. What was the context of her saying that? Um. I don't really know. Hmm. She stated it in an interview somewhere, okay. but like the context, like that doesn't line up with prices yeah, of things, things that at that time. Yeah. So regardless, if you look at it from what she said, they're worth mm-hmm. the Harry Potter fortune. The Potter fortune mm-hmm. is at least four hundred thousand dollars. Wow. But if you're taking the person who did all that research and taking their opinion into account. Mm-hmm. It would be at least like one point three million dollars. Wow! That Harry so was just. Do we assume because were both of his parents orders? Um. So. So. What did they do? And um, James job? was an or. I can't remember if Lily was an or or not. So we're assuming that an or is a pretty high paid career. Yes. Okay. However, it was said that most of they were only twenty one when they died. Oh, by the way. Wow. Um, never thought to think about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they were 21 okay. when they were killed. Um, most of that came from James's family who were like full blood wizards, like oh, so a very prominent. It's old money. Got it. it was old money. I bet Lily. Well, her parents liked her. Right. But I was going to say, I feel like she probably didn't get a lot of money from her family. Yeah. Right. Because then we have Petunia, who's. Like the, the Dursleys live fine. Yeah. But they're not wealthy. They're not wealthy. rich. They're, not they're rich. middle class because they spoil their child easily. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're really getting into this. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of what you're looking at there. Um Harry Potter just at the tender age of eleven was told you have one point two million dollars. Same. <laughs> and you know, cause then you talk about when he gave the money to Fred and George to open their shop, mm-hmm. you're like, oh my God, that's so nice. But like $25,000 out of a pool of a million. Yeah. It's such a small amount that he would never notice. Right. Yeah. That's why he, they were like, you can't do this. And he was like, for real, just take this money. <laughs> Please take this money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely wild. Wait, it's, remind me. So that was the winnings from the, Goblet of Fire? What? The money that he gave to them? 
I don't rem. I don't. Do you get money from that? No, I don't think anybody. I think the only know, thing you got was death. In I this know. Case. I'm like, even if there was a prize, you probably didn't get it. But yeah. yeah, it was making me think like, what was um, the prize for that? I don't recall, but either way, he still just had that one that chill over a million dollars. So, it, but when he gave them friend George money, he was just like, "Here's the seed money that you need." It yes. wasn't like from a particular source. No, I don't okay. think so. No. So, yeah, that's that's um, fictional currency. That is fun. It's just a little convoluted. Yeah. Why not? If you're an author, you're like, I'm going to make this straight up. <laughs> oh, and let me talk about my currency in the book that I've been writing. Oh, yeah. Because I've been wor- world building. And I don't really have, like, a system for, um, like, I don't, I'm not, I don't have a full system, like, down to here's every single denomination they use mm. of currency. But um, my story that I'm writing is a fantasy story, of course. (laughs) Um, They use paper money, but it is based on the reserves of the seeds from this magical tree. Oh, cool. And so, like, money in this world is literally power. Mm. Because you can take these seeds and you can do powerful things with them. So they are used to barter. But, like... I don't know. It's just fun. Yeah, that's super cool. It's called the Garen tree. Ooh. So Garen is the denomination of the basic money. Love it. Yeah. That's so neat. There you go. There's Woo-hoo. from an author perspective. Yeah. All right. So now I would like to talk about a topic I learned on the Tuttle Twins, which is a children's cartoon. <laughs> oh, okay. That's, uh, I think it's a book series. Like we have them at the library. But That sounds, Yeah. They have a show of it now, and it's free on the Angel Studios app. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, Aaron and I have been watching it, and it's really good. And it, like, teaches you about, like, real-life topics, like money and, uh, I don't know, just, like, adulting things. Like, all the things that were like, why didn't they teach us that in school? The show kind of teaches you that. That's cool. Anyway, so they had an episode about inflation. And when they were learning about inflation, they learned about... In history, the origins of coin debasement. So this is back when coins were actually made of the metal that they were valued at. So like a gold coin was worth the amount of gold it was made of. Right. 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 So people would decrease the amount of gold in that coin and then continue to circulate that coin at its face value. So the way they did this, governments would do this by like, taking a little bit of gold off the coin and then melting that with other metals to make new coins. But now those coins aren't worth as much. Because you've made an alloy instead of a pure gold coin. coin. Right. So that's how the governments did it. And then individuals would, you know, work in the organized crime, if you will, um, by clipping, which is where you shave from the circumference of a coin to get pieces of gold. And so then you're kind of like saving a profit for yourself and then you can still spend that coin at its face value. So that's why coins now have ridges to show that they haven't been shaved. Whoa. Yeah. So, I mean, that'd be like ripping a dollar and, you know, a third off of a dollar and being like, here's your two thirds. I'm keeping this. Exactly. Whoa. And then sweating is when you put a bunch of coins in a bag and shake them up and then take the dust that comes off. As your little side profit. Gold dust. Yeah, gold dust or bust, which is the play I was in in the fourth grade. About the gold <laughs> <rush>. <laughs> I 
<laughs> that that checks out. Um, but yeah, it was interesting when we learned about it in this episode because it was they were teaching the kids what inflation is, and so that's kind of how it started. Is when you like when the Roman Empire would print would make more coins, but that weren't actually made out of gold. Then the coins have less value, so then prices go up. And things cost more because the money isn't worth as much. And so now the equivalent of that is governments just print more money when they don't have that same amount of money in, in the reserve. Bank. Right. Yeah. So originally, like the Federal Reserve had so much gold and they printed paper money to represent that. But now they just keep printing money, even though we don't have that gold. And so that's why inflation happens. Right. The government. Which is why we can't just... <laughs> print more money right. without consequences. Yeah, when I was a kid, I could not understand that. Like, I was like, all of this is made Same. up. Like, we just made this country up. We made up all of our laws. So, like, why can't we just print more money if we need more money? I don't get it. Yep. But that episode really helped. Yeah, that's <laughs> so fascinating. So, I'm learning about adulthood from a children's show. Things that should have been around when we were children. Really, though. Yeah. Wow. But yeah. They have a, also a great episode on Bitcoin because I don't know if you're like me. I don't understand I that. I do not understand it and at all. And the episode about Bitcoin really helped me understand it. So wow. if you are curious, check out the Tuttle Twins. Wow. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. Our final facts and quiz segment will be right back after this break. Thursdays can be a real drag. Halfway through the week, not yet TGIF. But Thursday nights don't have to be boring. We have tons of board games for your entertainment, and you can also dust off your old favorites to bring for others to play too. Whether it's Monopoly or Life you enjoy, or whether you're into Dungeons and Dragons or Settlers of Catan, you can find board games you love here at the library, and people to play them with. Every first and third Thursday from 5 until 7, you can join us for game night. The only knowledge that I would have of any kind of money trivia personally would be Harry Potter and right. I already ruined all that. It's true, true. So, um I just we'll we'll talk about some like weird currency stuff. Yeah. Um just a little bit of research I did. Um the nation of Zaire in Africa, um which is known now as the Congo. Okay. Um so when the regime of dictator Joseph Mobutu was overthrown in 1997, their money, their paper money had his face on it. Mm -hmm. So they were too poor to print more money. Mm -hmm. So what they ended up doing was literally hole punching his face out and continuing to use those same. <laughs> that bills. is awesome. Yeah. That's I love pretty that. good. Like <laughs> we will keep using these. Yeah. Waste not want not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Australian dollars. Um, Dollar are, bucks. <laughs> Dollar bucks. Dollar bucks. Okay, question. And maybe yeah. we have to Google this. Is that a real slang term? Like, at first I thought it was just like, oh, they're children and they're being silly. But I think they might actually use that. <laughs> Let's find out because that's a good question. I feel like... So we're talking about how on Bluey, they sometimes reference money as dollar bucks. Um, I think... I think that's just a Bluey thing. Oh, they just made that up. Yeah, that's I so think cute. so. I um, so Australian dollars yes, are <laughs> made of polymer, hmm. which is totally waterproof, and it's very hard to counterfeit. Um, they started using them in 1988. Wow. I didn't know that. That's like so like 
I feel like that's very ahead of the curve. So before that, they didn't have paper money or they just they upgraded had, to polymer? They upgraded to the polymer. Um, so, and then countries like Canada, Vietnam, and China followed suit. So, like, have you seen those before? They're almost, like, plasticky. Maybe I have. And they're sure. very colorful and pretty. And a lot of them, like, um, I don't know. They have, like, these different 3D effects to, like... yeah help prove that they're not counterfeit they're really cool aren't they like hard to tear yeah because they're essentially they're plasticky yeah um so you can't really tear them in the same way and i i guess they'll just hold up better yeah um the canadian ten dollar bill unveiled in march 2018 is vertically oriented Ooh. um it is um, totally polymer and has a transparent window Ooh. with like this little effect in it that helps against forgery too. Cause like how you, it's going to be hard to replicate that. Yeah. What kind of Canadians be forging money? They're all so nice. It's There's true. no way. Yeah. That's <laughs> There's true. no forgery in Canada. <laughs> and then the last one, um, Great Britain, uh, their coin currency was redesigned in 2008. Hmm. They had a contest for, like, who would design the, the new currency. Oh, me know. And so they have a gold coin that is, I guess, a pound maybe um, that just has the royal shield on it. Okay. But then all of the smaller denominations of coins, you can put them together to make them look like the shield. Ah, oh, neat. So, like, they all have, like, a piece of the shield on their circular face. Yeah. And you can put them together to look like the royal shield. That's so fun. I just think that's really cool. Yeah. I it's just kind of nifty. Yeah. But um, that's pretty much all I had on weird currency. Just a couple of interesting little bits. Yeah. That was interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our episode about... Numismatics, doing number 737. Sure is. I think, uh, though, we need to do our roll for our next. Yeah, we've really been rocking the 700s, so let's see what happens. We have, yeah. So let's let's pull up this random number generator. So our next topic in two weeks is overdue number 580, which is... Botany. Botany, which we've done a plants episode, but we can swap it up a little bit and make it... Find some more totally... specific because like botany is specifically the scientific study of plants. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to like plants in general. Yes, absolutely. So we will um, we will see you in two weeks with our episode on botany. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye.